Show presents Scratch It Trailer. The podcast where we debate which track to scratch off some of the most known and unknown albums of all time. We live in an era of singles. This is an album. People no longer listen to an album for the work it truly is. It kind of defines a band. It's just not something that people relate to nowadays. We've all gotten the dreaded. Started out as a game. Which track on the album would you scratch out if you had to? Hey everyone, welcome to another exciting episode of the Scratch a Track podcast presented by the Dude and Grim Show. I'm the Dude. And I'm Grim. And today we are going to be discussing the 1995 album Post by Bjork. And I Bjork. say Bjork uh, because it, although it is written and so that us native English speakers would tend to say it as Bjork, in an interview I saw, she was asked by a reporter, instead of asking her anything like artistically related, her first question was, so how do you pronounce your name? And she goes, Bjork, it rhymes with jerk. And I just thought that was really funny. <laughs> that is really funny. I'm going to call her Bjork because I, I don't have to like, I think that sounds better personally. Well, she's but, not going to like that shit. Well, you know what? When I run into her, we'll have an icebreaker. So, <laughs> uh, but on that note, everyone, we would love it if you guys like, subscribe and comment below. So since you've done that, we can now get into the album here. So yeah. Um, post her her second album after her debut album debut, <laughs> which I, I mean, that's just who saw fucking, that coming. That's brilliant, by the way. I yeah. just I love that. Oh yeah, her debut album. No, what's the it, it's called debut. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think she even said that she wanted the second album to be post and to be at post because it's post as in after after the first the first the album. Yeah. I think but it post also, resonates better than if she had called it sophomore, because that's what a lot of people call their second album. Post sounds better. Um, but she, I think she also said that she liked post as well, because, you know, at this time she had moved from Iceland to uh, to London. Yep. And I in 95, I don't think email was like too big uh, yet. So mm. uh, and, and especially for her. So people it was like, you know, post letters like the yeah post quite office and that and, that, and that, that kind of stuff so i think it for her it kind of has a double meaning yeah dude i don't know when did emails really start i mean in 95 we were probably getting those discs that was like aol 3. version 3.5 yeah it right? might have started then it was like real cutting edge it was you not know, the main mode of communication um yeah. do you know ever. though that debut was not the first album she ever released she released an album when she was 12 years old. Holy 12 shit. years old, dude. And then she went on to be part of um, a band in Iceland um, in, in which I believe she met and married her first husband. I can't remember the name of the band right now, so don't don't hang me for that one. But I was just, I watched their pitchfork did a, a, a thing that was like, it was basically like post in five minutes. Now, that was not the only thing I looked up or read about the album, but I watched it and it was read. I found a couple tidbits that I did not find in my other readings about her or post. And that was uh -huh. one that I found particularly interesting. So by the time she went and did a solo career, 
by the standards of Iceland, she was already a successful musician. That's pretty crazy, man. Yeah. At twelve, I wasn't. I was. I was doing other things, and it's. Thank God I didn't go blind. You know. <laughs> yeah, not releasing albums, playing some no. flute for sure, but not not <laughs> releasing albums. Oh man! All right. Well, moving on from that. Yeah. Um, yeah. This. You know, I listened to her her first album. Um, you know, I think a few times and. One of my favorite songs on that album is actually, and I know we're not talking about that, is uh, Venus is a Boy. And that song, th- the reason that's always stuck out for me is because it's in the movie The Professional, which is obviously oh, a badass movie. So I was like, man, that's I always like that song. And then I heard it. I was like, holy shit, that's Bjork. It just you know, made yeah. that connection. I've always but, been a fan of human behavior. Yeah. I feel like human behavior and Venus is a Boy were like, the closest ones on that album to kind of like bridge to hear because you know, you listen to that, to her first, to her debut album. And, um, I feel like with the exception of maybe those, those two, it's a lot more poppy and accessible. And I'm not saying that post isn't accessible, but it's also like, I mean, if you're expecting to hear, like version two debut of debut two. <laughs> and you put on post and it kicks in with army of me. Army that's, that's kind of a, um, a slap in our collective faces in a good way, in yeah. my opinion. But yeah, well, I think our initial introduction to, I mean, I, I had always heard of Bjork. I'd heard songs, at least my initial introduction was mm-hmm. through her music, through her music videos. <laughs> now we follow, you know, Spike Jones, Michelle Gondry, Stefan said, those, those, those directors, all of whom and, produce videos off this yeah, album, all, all of them, which is pretty awesome, right there. Yeah, um, and and so that was my initial in introduction to kind of her and her music, and and I liked it, but it wasn't until probably a, a couple of years later where I put post on and actually listened to it as an as an album, and I mean right off the bat, Army of Me, just I mean I mean I know we're not getting into the tracks yet, but that. That one really grabbed me. It's the one sure. I kind of like always go to, but it goes in so many different directions. There's so many different genres and instruments. And I think one of the quotes we talked about, and it was like from the San Francisco Chronicle, it's like genre roulette. And that is, I, I think it's really a perfect way to describe this album. Um, and I could see it, you know, especially if there were really big fans of her first album, I could see it potentially turning some people off because it does go in so many different directions that it kind of doesn't necessarily have a consistent flow. But I think that's one thing that I really I, I really like about it is is just all the different genres and styles that are kind of in, intertwined together. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. And I don't I, I guess now I feel like it's a little more common for artists and bands to kind of play around with genres. Uh, but I feel like maybe at this time it, it wasn't so much. I mean, when you think of our favorite, like grunge rock bands, I mean, sure. They were like maybe whispers of other styles, but it, but it was like, I guess when I think back to this era, like it was, it was rock music or it was rap or it was, you know, I mean, things kind of had some sort of a consistency and this album, I feel like turned all that upside down. Absolutely. I mean, this is again just for everyone's reference. This is 1995. Um, yeah. You know, so this is. I, I mean, I guess you'd say more of. Uh, do you consider 95? I guess post grunge. I mean, I, I don't. 
I, I always think of grunge as a you know a few years earlier and I don't know if I'd say grunge died when Kirk Cobain did, but I, I don't know. I just yeah. think it's um, it 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 had kind of moved. I, I think a little bit. It wasn't as fresh and as new anymore. Um, where I, I feel like this sound is something that I had never really heard of before. And I think one of the things that can actually be attributed to that is what? How many producers were on this album? There's like four. There was Bjork, Nelly Hooper, what Graham, Massey, Tricky, and Howie B. Yeah. So you got like four or five producers for 11 tracks. So well, yeah, and, they, and, and they all bring something different, you know? Yeah. And I don't know a whole lot about how he be admittedly, but I know that Graham Massey is uh, part of 808 state, um, which I mean, dude, the, their group is named for the fucking 808 rolling TR 808 beatbox Banging drum like machine. So obviously they had probably a pretty big, um, pretty big like foothold and maybe like that London kind of scene that she was involved in at the time because I believe they're from London and he was a, a member of Massive Attack or a former member and Massive Attack was kind of uh, I guess that sort of genre in my estimation yeah I think um, you know speaking of the whole London thing this is that was like I think the major influence for her on this because you know up until that point she had spent her whole life in iceland after the first album she she moves to london and that's pretty much uh you know she she wrote most of the album there and what she really i think wanted to symbolize was just like the club life the urban culture just the city life the big big lights and and all that and kind of exploring the big city and i think this album really reflects uh, reflects that just just in its variety and in its genres and i think she just got exposed to a lot of different people and cultures and i mean i can only imagine what the you know london underground music scene was like and let's say you know 94 95 it must have been pretty wild oh you know? yeah and think about it, it was I, I don't know but did she live in reykjavik like uh, yeah, the capital yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sure she did yeah. okay well if she did you're talking at that time probably a population metropolitan of like I don't know, maybe around 200,000 or slightly under. And London wow. is like a major world city. I mean, that's like... Like New York. <laughs> yeah, that's like culture shock, you know? I mean, just, just moving from somewhere so kind of small and isolated to just a major world city. That that had to have a huge influence. And, yeah. And probably just being plugged into like a whole different social scene. and Social pipeline. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Invite well, I, for tea and scrumpets. Exactly. I, I mean, I even found it interesting, though, that she recorded part of this album in the Bahamas. Yeah, and, was, and I did read trippy. some, I don't know if we want to talk about that on the tracks or or just maybe now, because I had read some some things about that, and I don't, and it, it seemed to me that as it was being talked about in the article, uh, it was talked about in such a way that uh, I don't know if some of these were confirmed or just speculation because I had read that for one of the tracks, she actually had it so that she could extend a mic cable out so that she could sing by the ocean. Yeah. And then yeah. another one, was it I Miss You? Cover, was supposed uh, for, for Cover Me. Cover Me she, was done in a cave. It was in a cave. Yeah. Now, dude, that is so cool. 
Like yeah. that is beyond cool in my opinion. And then, and then the thought or the, the suggestion maybe. that possibly maybe was possibly maybe recorded in the nude. the nude. Have you ever recorded a song in the nude? Dude, I don't even think I've ever recorded with my shirt off. Ah, uh, dude. Yes, you have. <laughs> oh, maybe back I'm in sure. the more days, but yeah, yeah. Yeah. Back in okay. the summertime. We're like where it's hot. You know, yeah. We didn't have AC. We did not have in that, AC in that house. That's true. Man, talk about living like animals. Woo. It's basically scraping black mold off the walls and smoking that. I mean, it was. Yeah. We don't recommend you do that. Anyway, and we didn't ever. either. I mean, and we didn't. You know, we thought it was resin. <laughs> yeah. But we turned out okay. So. <laughs> in theory. So, yeah, it sounds like she had some very interesting recording techniques on, on this album. Uh, very cool. I've never really heard of. Yeah, I I would like to know more about what inspired her to go to the Bahamas um, and wh- why she would record there. It sounded like that there is a studio there that's kind of sort of famous yeah. and people do record at. But I, I'm just curious why she would decide to do that. I don't know. I feel like if if it's one of those deals where you like an all inclusive sort well, of thing, oh, I, didn't, <laughs> I didn't mean it like that. That's also fun. Um, Speaking of though, first tangent of the day, dude, with those all inclusives, yeah. apparently, man, when you go there, the way it is, is there's like their house booze and then there's top shelf stuff. And from what I've heard, you always ask for the top shelf stuff because of some of that like house booze they put basically like, you oh. know, like fucking crap in made it. in a 55 gallon drum yeah. gin and vodka in there and people have like reported getting violently ill and like not doing well from that stuff so if you're ever Great. going to an all-inclusive go top shelf or go home that top is grim's shit. tip for the day ding wow should roll that up and smoke it mm-hmm. or stir it up and drink it um yeah i i would highly recommend that highly recommend that so, so uh, yeah i i don't know it the thing saying, that one thing i was yeah, you were saying something about best intentions. best intentions i i thought it was really cool that there were so many studios kind of used which i don't know to me that the album like sounds like it's a journey right and, and then upon reading it it seems like the recording process was also somewhat of like a journey too which i think is really uh, kind of cool because whether it was meant to be or not, that that feeling comes through in it. Well, yeah, and I'm sure with so many producers, each producer probably had a preferred studio that they like to work in, or maybe you know. And there's so much different instrumentation on this album that maybe you know those musicians go to that space, so you bring everything over there. Now, oh sure, I I didn't see anything about if this was recorded you know digitally or analog i mean it's 95 i don't i don't even fully know where dude that would i'm been. gonna go ahead and guess tape on this one i mm-hmm. i haven't again we're gonna i think this album's on the docket for this year but i had uh talking to friend of the show stoffer i want to say it was either him or forrest or both of them where i was talking to them and uh it was Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness was like one of the albums that, that either one of them said was one of the first ones where 
they they really wanted to try and do it digitally, but the computing power was so slow. I, I mean, say it must be crap. Now you can you can basically put an effect on something and just hear it in real time. But back then, you couldn't do that. You'd have to set the parameters and then render something, and oh. it could take like an hour just to render like a clip and then you hear it and be like, "No, that sucks." Yeah. So I think this was kind of at like maybe that crossroads um, before digital was like that accessible just because the computing power hadn't quite caught up to, you know, what people have patience for, basically. Yeah. Well, that was and that was part of that. My question with that was, it was like, gosh, you have so many different studios. You bring in different. You always bring the tapes with you to different studios. Must have been a pain in the ass. Like, who do you trust to do that? I I don't know, but man, that's a job right there. Like you'd buy a seat for those fuckers on a plane. Yeah, yeah you know what I mean. Would. Like yeah, you, you yeah. don't just put them in the overhead and assume it's good. Like you're getting them their own seat. No. Sure I certainly like, wouldn't. Yeah, check it. No, hell's no, hell no. Uh, well, so yeah, there is a, a you know bunch of different producers. We you know we mentioned we mentioned Tricky, um, and then there was who is Diodato. Do you know who that is? The composer? Did no, I, I don't. Um, composer was, conducted tracks for Hyper Ballad? Yeah, I, I no, I, I don't really know. Um, I know that she worked with a, um, a Icelandic poet uh, oh, yes. on, on writing some of the tracks. I, I did. Uh, is it Jean? Jean? S J O N. I have, I don't know Icelandic pronunciation. As John. <laughs> As John. That's probably no, what I it is. I don't yeah. know. Um, so John. But John. No, I, I think it's, uh, yeah, I think that point is really is is really something that, that's cool because uh, it probably allowed for just a bigger palette of what was possible um, with, with all these tracks. And the fact that a lot of the stuff on her first album was kind of, carryover material that she had had built up for a number of years and it was just like okay i gotta get this stuff out and now that she had done that it allowed like real freedom to kind of start you know maybe go places yeah that she had explore the space explore space yeah well she had done the album um and you know she was in the bahamas recording and when she got back from the Bahamas, she was actually supposed to submit the album to the record company. And then she came back and she was like, yeah, I just don't think it's ready yet. So she like spent the next few months like tweaking, doing some rearranging. And oh, really? She even re- re-recorded uh, some parts. And then I think that's where the uh, Diodato composer also came in, did stuff for Hyper Ballad, You've Been Flirting Again, and Isabel. Which, you know, a lot of the composition stuff, we're talking about the strings, brass, yes, percussion. Yes, and, dude, that stuff, it, that, to me, it's it's those things that, that really just separate this album from, from a lot of other stuff. It, it, it just takes it in so many different directions. Mm-hmm. So many different directions. So, I, I you know, that was cool. One thing that, that was interesting to me is that this album, I've, I've always heard about it. And it's um, it, it's like one of those iconic albums. Beyond, I I'm not gonna look back at the list now, but I'm gonna I'm gonna 
damn it well assume this ranked better 289. be 289. Okay, well, that's that's not high enough. But of 500, yeah. yeah. She had another one on there, too, that was higher, actually. Oh, that's interesting. Um, but it didn't, I, I, it, it hasn't sold incredibly well in the U.S., which is kind of sad, really. I mean, yeah, it's I mean, set it, upon its it did release. well in Iceland. <laughs> yeah, of course it went to number one in Iceland, and I think number two in the UK. That's but right. like in the US, it, it made it to like number thirty-two. Thirty-two. Yeah. Which that's um, that's kind of sad, like- but I think a lot of t- for for a lot of people in the US with short attention spans, kind of as a as sort of a cultural thing, maybe they just weren't ready for it yet. I wasn't when it came out. As no. a fourteen-year-old kid, I mean, I, I just—I I would not have been ready for this at fourteen. Yeah, definitely not. I mean, I think the the one song that would have did it for me, and I believe it was the the—I think it was the first single was was "Army of Me." Like, I yeah. think I think if I would have heard that, I'd be like, "Man, this album's pretty badass." But then yep. you kind you kind of listen to the rest of the album, and there's like maybe one other song that has kind of the, the a similar feel to it, but it just goes in so many different directions that, um, you know, I I don't know if it's something I would have totally been into and appreciated then as as, as much as I do now. So yeah, absolutely, stupid Americans. Well, you know, here we are. Yes. Well, speaking of here we are, how about we go ahead and get into the tracks, my friend? I, think I was it's about thinking so. Time to do that. And since yep. I just brought up Army of Me, uh, let's start there because it's number one. So, what do you say, Graham? You want to go, go on? You want to? Okay. Well, go on. Yeah, go on. Well, I think it's a great way to start the album. That's me what too. I have to say about that. No, it, dude, I do like how it kind of just kicks you in the teeth right away. Um, mm-hmm. it just, you know, really hits, um, it has this sort of like a, I mean, it's very industrial, but it's got this sort of like a fantasy industrial feel. And, um, I don't know, man, the, the, the way she sings it is like so authoritative. I just think yeah. it's, 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 it's really cool, man. Now, one thing I got about this from the short pitchfork bit that I watched, which is available on the YouTube platform. Uh, which I, they they said this in a fairly definitive way in this thing, but I did not read it anywhere else. Was that the drum beat for Army of Me is actually a sample, a sped up sample of the the initial drum break from When the Levee Breaks by Led Zeppelin? Dude, no way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Wow. I. No, we'll I can't. I can't confirm that. I can tell you what I heard on on that that video, and then listening back to it, I can say it's. It would definitely have to be sped up, but but I can I can hear that. I to me like I I didn't when I heard that I did not call bullshit immediately. I re listened to it, and then I thought, yeah, that that could be it if it was sped up a little bit. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Well, I'm so. Gonna- I'm going to, and hey, how about some of you out there? What, yeah, what if anyone knows and can confirm, I mean, I'd I'd love to know that. I tend to think of Pitchfork as a fairly credible source. I mean, more so yeah. than myself. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, you know, I I I I'm gonna go ahead with that one. Definitely. Well, I I think we should also note that this the the video for this is a Michelle Gondry video, and it is a very Michelle Gondry ish video. Dude, it's uh, trippy. If, if you've seen any of his stuff, he does some really outlandish things. 
Um, so very cool technical things a, a lot of the time. But then sometimes I feel like some of his videos are a little almost cartoony, especially with the set design and, and things like yeah. that. And and I definitely think this is it. But it's it's weird. I mean, it's it's. It's it has cool, this, It has this like utopian feel, but then she goes into the dentist and the well, dentist. I would almost a, say like a or dystopian or dystopian. Because, because yeah. she has that big ass truck that she's driving around, and yeah. yeah, I mean she can't even refuel the truck until he pulls the diamond out of her teeth. Exactly. You know I mean? So it's that's funny. really what they needed to do, and and it seems you know it worked out, dude. It really reminds me. I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Brazil. But it kind of reminds me a little bit of that, like the truck that she's like driving and everything. Oh, like I haven't seen that yeah. movie. I thought you were going to talk about Blood Diamond, where they hide diamonds in their mouth. Well, it's kind of like that too, except not really. <laughs> well, you don't, dude. You, you don't know. It never showed the part about how she got the diamond. That's very fair. It's very fair. So then we move on to a ballad, Grim. A hyper, a hyper ballad. ballad. A hyper ballad. Now, one question I have for you is on my download, it says Hyper Ballad Family Tree Version. I have no idea what that means. So I don't know if there's... I think a, I was just listening to the regular version. I mean, the the version, it, the one that I hear that I listen is also the one I feel like I always heard when I watched okay, the music video to it. So I think same. that was it. So Because I, 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 watched, I watched the Gondry DVD over the weekend and... And did watch this video, and that that one was the same as what I've been listening to for right. as yeah. long as I can remember as well. So, so if anybody knows what that means, maybe there's a non-family tree version. There's like a you know red solo version, stepchild version, yeah, or something, yeah, something like that. So, anyways, uh, dude, this song. I mean, if going right from Army of Me into Hyper Ballad. I mean, they're they probably couldn't be more different in their you know mm. their sound and their tone, and I mean the contrast. I mean, once you listen to that, you're kind of like, whoa, we're in for something different with this album. So I, I think it's really cool that they kind of stack these songs, um, one right after the other. Yeah, and this one certainly is different. I, I feel like it's it's an interesting mix of kind of like this this more repetitive techno beat with with her singing over the top of it but it's not necessarily aggressive it still has which i yeah. think goes with having ballad in the title because it's kind of soft definitely you know the the one thing that that really i noticed on this song and then after you notice that you kind of listen more in depth to the lyrics throughout the album uh she doesn't have like what I'd say we're accustomed to in like Western music as a normalized rhyme scheme. Sure. Her phrases don't necessarily rhyme. And I'm not saying that as a criticism, it's just something I noticed. And then of course, as I noticed that I'm like, yeah, I kind of really like it when, you know, when there's like, even if it's a longer rhyme scheme where it's not like, you know, every phrase, it could be every other phrase or something rhymes. I, I like that in music. I feel like it, it's kind of poetic. But then as I thought about it, I'm like, you're also talking about someone who's, who's writing and singing not in their native language. So like already you win because that's impressive on another level that I think that most of us couldn't comprehend. 
definitely not. Yeah, and I feel like I think it's I think with this song too. There's there's times, and maybe not even just this song, uh, but I'm just thinking of it right now. Is it almost sounds like she she does like some sort of like kind of spoken word a little bit. Yeah, it's you know the way she she, she kind of sings it. She'll sing it lightly, but it is almost like a kind of like spoken word, um, which is which it, is kind of cool. It's it's a very it's a very weird kind of uh, trippy and dark lyrical content about like living on the top of this mountain and throwing all these things off like car parts and bottles and cutlery. Mm-hmm. Cutlery. I mean, how are you going to eat dinner, man? Yeah, use your hands. It's barbaric. <laughs> well, I think that's kind of an interesting thing the 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 cars and the mountains because if you move on to the song number three, Modern Things, she references that similar imagery again with mountains and cars. Uh, I just, I just, it, it's like Tom York talking about dinosaurs. Dude, she the earth, talks man. about dinosaurs she does. in it. She, ta- she does. I know. I was going to say, <laughs> dude, new, new things. Songs are the same theme. Bjork and Bjork and York dinosaurs. That's it. Dude, we'll just spell it. B dash York. York. Dinosaurs. Dinosaurs. Um, so if anyone knows about more songs that Bjork sings about dinosaurs, dinosaurs. in, I, I really need to know about those so we can really bring this we theme to this light because I think this is brilliant. Yeah. I mean, I'm not as familiar with her full catalog as I should be. So, yeah. Um, but uh, but this song, it, it is kind of it starts off. It's it is very basic. It's basically just kind of her singing. And then there's like this sort of pulsating like synth in the background. Um, but then it, the, the song kind of like opens up and yeah. it has like this really trippy mix of percussion, man. And, um, it, it does. And, and she sings in Icelandic. She does. And I looked and up, I think that's the, cool. I looked up kind of the translation to a lot of what she's saying. And, and oh, what now? Is, what is that? She, she says, no one pays much attention to us. The sun sets. Nobody knows how to pull out the best of me. Uh, it's sunny when he delivers a vital breath he bites me he bites me yes he approaches me he follows after me waits he flies by me so wow yeah so there's there's that that's a trippy relationship right there it's real trippy yes (laughs) um so what was like now is this the one are yeah, you talking dude. about the one with the record skipping at the end of it? Right at the end, yeah, dude. I think uh, that's so cool, man. And I do it's just too. Her just repeating it like a I broken record. Oh, I really man. like that. And like is it is it this one? Mm. Uh, I feel like it's. I feel like maybe it's enjoy going into you've been flirting again. Because I don't feel like it goes right into it's also no. quiet. But I could be no wrong. no 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 yeah no. Um, um yeah enjoy i think well you've been flirting again goes right into kind of isabel um, oh that's the one it is then yeah, that, yeah. that's the one okay okay so uh, pardon so, our misspeak there but i i do love that effect because yeah. i don't think i mean i don't know what people can or can't do but my gut tells me they probably didn't press that on vinyl and then like make it you know they they created that effect would be my guess somehow. but yeah definitely um, so we go to track four. Uh, it's also oh so quiet. quiet. It is also oh quiet. Um, this is a cover. Yes. Yes. It is a cover. So 
Um, this is actually uh, a song that was released in 1951 uh, by a singer uh, who goes by the handle of Betty Hutton. Ooh. And it was the B-side to her single Murder, He Says. And it's actually that. So, so that version, which people would think of the original, is actually a cover of a German song called Und Jest ist es still, performed by Horst Winter in 1948. Horst. And it was written by the Austrian composer Hans Lang. So... Oh. And it's funny because Hans, I like Hans Gruber. Oh, dude. Yeah. Well, what's Shoot, what was the, the brother's name? Franz? Hans and Franz? Hans and Franz. Well, he was he didn't have well, there was uh, yeah. No, Jeremy I mean, Irons character in Die Hard Three. Oh yeah. That's Hans's brother, right? Yeah, I know. Yeah, I was thinking of the brothers that are in the first Die Hard, which is Oh Carl no! No, and, no I don't okay. care about Carl with a K. With a K. And, yeah, yeah. It's cash with a capital K. <laughs> you should go back to school. So, I was one thing I was going to mention about that is with this being a cover, I noticed that there was a departure in the fact that this song does have more of a rhyme scheme that we would be familiar with. It does. It does. So I, I did. It was just an observation, but I think a hell of an observation. Oh, dude! You know one thing we missed, and I hate to jump back, but dude, the hyper ballad video. Yes. So I know you said you couldn't watch it. I always found it kind of weird because she's just like laying there, and there's there's, there's lights, lights, and it's kind of trippy. Mm-hmm. But dude, there's parts of it that are like an eight bit Nintendo game where she's running around, and that's really cool. Dude, it is pretty cool. Yeah. So I'm this that made me fan think fan. of it because the video for "It's Also Quiet" is is not that. No, but it's really cool, dude. Spike Jones. Yep. And and I love it because as I was telling you offline, dude, I couldn't. I, I should have went to Vimeo, but I, I didn't go to Vimeo. I was just looking on YouTube, mm-hmm. and it said like this video is not available in your country. So I was like, cool. Yeah. Uh, so I had to watch the video as someone's reaction to it, you know, the screens like this, this big, big enough to see the video. Cause I remember the video from, yeah. from the days when MTV showed music videos. Yeah. Um, so I remembered the video, but I just, I dude, I love how at the beginning she is in the bath, just the most filthy, disgusting bathroom at like a tire store. And she washes her face. And it was so funny because the, the lady who was doing the reaction to the video is like, it's like, oh, uh, I mean, she was like just horrified by the state of this bathroom in the beginning of it. The reaction, but the video is great. I mean, it's it is it's done like like the the dancing is like the best Broadway musical you've ever seen, dude. And that's what I love about this song, man. Again, we're, like what we're four songs in, and we just have such a variety of sounds. And this just takes it into a crazy, crazy uh, direction. I, I just was not expecting this sort of big band Broadway kind of thing that. She does, man, and she she pulls it off like she nails it. It's it's very cool. Yeah, yeah, and and I think uh, someone had said even even in light of the album being quote unquote genre roulette um, that this was a risk 
this song more than any of them was a risk absolutely not only to just have on the album but to put out as a single but i mean she it paid off and and she won because obviously it's one of those super memorable music videos um the song is great and I love that she is not afraid to just use her voice and just Dude. kind of scream and, Belt and that just shit out. get weird with it. Like, it's awesome. Yes. Dude, she, her, again, I, mean, I know we've talked about this a little bit. I mean, you, you talked about it more with like her rhyming and stuff, but the way she's able to sing, she, she has such a variety of just like kind of tones and, and things that she can do. And she makes some like, kind of interesting weird sounds singing sometimes but then she can sign very quiet but then she can get like really uh, sort of screamy i guess i don't know if there's a better way to say that i guess yeah but, no that's yeah. that's I, that's pretty fair man well enjoy my friend at track number five yeah i think enjoy one of the, and this is a weird thing to stand out to me but my favorite thing is how in the beat they kind of had that bam like of the horns and like a and like a really like I don't want to say an offbeat but maybe where you wouldn't expect it. Yeah, there was some. I, I, I really enjoy that, dude. Well, this is no a, pun intended. Oh wow, yeah. See, that's, a, that's another one we need. No pun intended. <laughs> like a sound effect. This is a uh, this is a, a tricky track. So. Yeah. Um, but dude, it has, dude, it's, it's just very raw and sounds like to me, this is where I, I feel like that underground club scene that she must have visited and and liked, but also has this kind of sort of a machine like mechanical sound too. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, again, very, uh, very gritty. Um, and I do feel like, I think this is the song that I felt like, is sort of in the same vein as army of me is, is is it's like intenseness and sort of like, I don't know, authoritativeness. I I just, just kind of feel like I I get sort of the same similar sort of vibe um, as compared to the, you know, the previous songs that, that we've kind of been, been listening to here. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. No, I hear you. I hear you. But that little. And again, this is, it's really about her, I think, relating to the big city because she's like, look, look at the speed out there. It magnetizes me to it. How can I ignore? This is sex without touching. I'm going yeah. to explore. Um, I'm going to, you know, into this to enjoy. Well, I, I see a quote here. I, I read a quote from an interview that says, I guess I went into it with the mood of the album to be greedy, to be eager to consume a city, to merge promiscuous musically and city This <laughs> is what the quote is, but it makes it kind of city. That, that really makes sense with the lyrics. It sure does. So Graham, I hear you've been flirting again. Did you find, are you, are you starting a new podcast with someone else? <laughs> no. Okay. Nope. You got that kind of time. Clean. It's clean. Mr. Clean. But I do. I, I like the the direction where this one goes. It, it, it see then it goes into a whole new place. Well, the the last song "Enjoy" just kind of it's interesting because it just cuts in like really sharply, and then then this song comes in and it it's it like has the strings or whatever, and it's mm-hmm. it, it's just such an interesting transition. 
Um, I think, I think at this point, it like I'm not sure what some listeners would think because it's just been such a roller coaster of sounds at this point yeah. that I think I think some people some people might be put off by that, but I, I think it's I think it's really cool what what she's done and how they've kind of constructed the album here. Yeah, I do too, um, and I don't know I don't have this on vinyl. Probably should. Um, I mean, but yeah, I feel like, like this would be the side, the the point where you flip it. You flip it at, at yeah. right on this song. Uh, not on this song. Like this yeah. song would start the next side. Next side. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that would be a cool way with enjoy to to end side one for sure. Because I mean, you can't. You've been flirting again, and Isabel like go right Oof. together. Yeah. I mean, you can't. You can't cut those up. Right. Well, and that's what's. That's what's really cool. I mean, I I like, you know, I like this song. It 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 sounds like I don't know. It, it's basically it sounds like she's like speaking to like one of her lovers and or something, and you know, telling him that you know they're right, but she she needs to do what she needs to do. Is what did she say? Give, you know, give her some time. But I I take it that she's talking about hers almost uh, herself. Give her some yeah. space. You know how you reacted was right. She's kind of like saying like. Here's the thing, like I, I don't know. Maybe this is one of those n- new songs where she's in the city. It's like, hey, I'm in a new city. I'm having a good time. You know, I know I'm hanging out with you, but I kind of want to do my own thing as well. And you're well, right. You're you're right. Yes. To upset. Yeah. You're right I, to upset. I do like that. How you reacted you know? was right. You know, it's it's fine. Like you had every right line's to do that. so nice. I'll say yeah. it twice. Yeah. But at the same time, I ain't gonna apologize. Like, yeah, yeah. I did what I did. What I did. <laughs> hmm. But so, I do, yeah. The transition in Isabel is freaking great, man. It's, yeah, and that's that's one of my favorite parts dude, of the whole album. Yeah, that transition because well, this is where the record skips, and the strings kind of it's it's just really, really nice. Well, what I like too is that um, it sounds like in the beginning it kind of sounds like like a you know the strings kind of transition in, and it sounds sort of like a Disney movie. And yeah, then, oh, it and does. Then, and then, and then, about you know, just a little bit into the song, like the percussion comes in. It has this real kind of tribal feel to it. The, yeah, like yeah. The, way, the, the the way the percussion is, and I to me, this is just one of my favorite songs on the album. I, I really feel like it shows like her, just kind of like her range. Uh, the percussion drives the song, and it in the, but you don't typically hear percussion like that on a song with with strings that's so symphonic uh yeah. I, I don't know if i've ever heard anything anything like that before now um you have some info? one thing yeah, yeah well i don't know about info but one thing i was gonna say is that you know it's it's quite clear that the song is about somebody who is in isolation who maybe they prefer the company of just themselves or that's just the the lot they were dealt but I look at it and I've never seen the name Isabel spelled that way. And so I take this as to be some sort of an amalgamation of the name Isabel and the word isolation. Ooh. I don't know I, if that's I, I like that's that's not here. found in, in anything but my opinion. But I I mean I would do that if I was writing this song. I think it's kind of a clever way to Play to on. do that. I yeah. agree, man. That's cool. So interesting story in about me with this song. Um, I'm listening. So the somehow I don't know how I originally got this CD. I don't know, but 
I got it. And I put it into iTunes. I must have iTunes match. I've had it for years. And about halfway, when I come to find out only a few weeks ago, I found like halfway through the song just cut off. And it was like right when the strings were like, you know, building up and then it goes right into possibly maybe, which starts with kind of like that, like phone ringing ish or whatever. But I was, was like, man, that's, that's kind of a trippy way to end this song. Weird way like, to like, but, but in a weird way, it also kind of made sense too. Cause I was like, oh man, we're just going to cut it here. We're going to go right into like this phone ringing. Yeah. And, but then I thought about it a little more. I was like, you know what? I, I don't know. I, I need to check this out. And so then I went on, you know, the Apple site or whatever. And then I saw that the song was really like five minutes and not, you know, two and a half minutes. And um, I'm really glad that it is five minutes because I really yeah. like the rest of the song. Yeah, I agreed. Okay. Now, um, did you get a chance to check out the video? Because I watched. I Now, this was a video oh, that shit, I don't remember seeing. Yeah. Oh, no, I didn't. Now, this is also a Gondry video. Shit. Um. And it's, it's like, I don't even know how to describe it. It's like, it's kind of black and white and there's, there's these images of her and then somehow it gets like overlaid into a map and like a picture of like the city and it it was really interesting. I I liked it. It, it, To me, it reminded me like if they would have had the ability to do some really cool visual effects when they made old movies that's right. that's like what where it brought me to. Cool, but I I thought it was re- it was really cool, and I would recommend watching it if you haven't seen it because it's and you found it on i or on uh, YouTube. No, it's on the no. Gondry DVD. Oh, it's on the Gondry DVD. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. on on that DVD, I think he had Army of Me, Hyper Ballad, uh, Hyper Ballad, and Isobel, and I think those were the only ones because possibly right. maybe is. Stefan said we yep and then um Spike Jones did. did oh it's so quiet it's also quiet yes. yes yes well so transitioning into possibly maybe um is is very I mean dude the story of that is 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 pretty trippy all in itself because it the song was written um so people who may not know Bjork and the music director music video director or artist Video artist, is that what I should call him? Knox Harrington? No, not Knox Harrington. It's uh, <laughs> Stefan Sedoui. They uh, they were involved in a romantic relationship, and this song is about their failed relationship. And the trippy thing is, is you know, she writes the song about that. He ended up directing the music video, which I think is really cool. And most people probably, I mean, they must have ended on good terms. I take it. Right. I yeah, mean, good enough I yeah. mean, to have a working relationship. And it's a cool video because I like, uh, one thing I noticed about it, uh, the, the, her eating watermelons. Interesting. But, um, the one thing I noticed about it was that there's, there's one of these background synth sounds that you had mentioned sounds like a, a like some sort of a weird phone ringing, oh. and visually he always has something matching that sound, and I think that's really cool that 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 kind of carries because in the beginning it's like one of those old clear phones with like the neon yeah. bit in it, you know, like that. Uh, it keeps like it kind of cool. that common keeps the thread going throughout the yeah. throughout the whole the the whole video. Now um, one thing. One thing that I really like is how at about four minutes, the song changes tone. 
Mm. Um, and I mean that by like it goes into uh, like it's it's on one chord and it kind of goes into a different chord and it kind of goes into like this minor chord with a major six on the top. Oops, not that one. <laughs> it's definitely not that one. You know, it kind of gets in. It kind of gets into that that sound that that feel where it was in something totally different. I think it may have been like a like a major seventh all the way through, but then it gets into that this at the end, and that that is it. I, I that transition to me is really I, I really like that transition. Oh, well, I like that you like it. So, dude, I just listen for it. Because oh, when right. it, because there's something about that that minor that minor triad with like the major six on top that has like a like a eeriness or a questioning like I, I oh. don't know, but it, it just feels it feels a distinct way in the fact that she used that chord. I know that Fiona Apple also used oh. that chord in several instances in Fetch the Bolt Cutters. And and that Listen that was that one thing that I really liked, dude. One thing I really like about this song is her line where she says, "I suck my tongue in remembrance of you." I think that's pretty. That dude, says that wow. speaks volumes, you know. I've, yeah, that's. Uh, I've yet to meet the woman that I can say that about. I think. So. Well, yeah, and the thing <laughs> is, Sorry, even if the relationship <laughs> didn't work out, I mean, hell, dude. Said and we got more immortalized in that one, so that's yeah. cool. <laughs> Dude, good for him, man. Yeah. Um, moving on, number nine. Let's uh, wrap this puppy up. Uh, we got "I Miss You," um, dude. This what dude. This is a real, real trippy song, man. Like, I, such a mix of of mm-hmm. sounds. Like, it's 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 got this upbeat techno feel but then dude is that an accordion in the background or is it like a synth yeah, version of an accordion I, or like because it sounds like it's got some sort of uh kind of an effect on it i i, I guess no uh, i'm not seeing that an accordion is listed but it does say organ and one thing i could see uh, that is like one of those manual foot pump organs which has kind of like a reed organ which has yeah. an accordion sound yeah. Um, I could definitely see that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I know what you mean. And honestly, I'm not big into just that driving techno beat, right? That's not really my thing. Techno beat. Techno but beat. the part of the song that does get me is once the horns come in Dude, on right? either side. I, I really that that that's where I'm like, I, I'm I'm in. Dude, to me, it just sounds like it's like like some huge party, like Mardi Gras yeah. down in New Orleans. You got this upbeat yeah. techno, but then there's that, well, what it sounds to me like an accordion, but then tribal percussion, the horns come in. It's like, what the yes. hell is going on here? Like, where am I? Uh, yeah, such an interesting Yeah, and, and it was funny because out of all the things, you know, certain things from an album, like, will get stuck in your head. Those horns from that, from this song, that part really got stuck in my head. Zombie, zombie. Yeah. All right, moving on to number 10, Cover Me. Um, this is a song we talked about earlier, how she, I think, I don't know if the final version that, it might have been just been the first version of Cover Me. I don't know if this final version that made the album was the one that was recorded in the cave. I mean, that I just really sounds like a cool song. I, I do too. But 
it has it's weird the intro has like a weird sort of like a real eastern feel to, to well me. I, yeah and i was looking because my first thought was that that is that is a harp but listening back i think it's actually a hammered dulcimer um but the Hammer scale time. they're playing is almost like um like a japanese uh type of scale hmm uh, because it does give you like a distinctly Eastern feel. And, and I, I like that. Um, totally. I really, really, you know, that's one of them where you hear it where I haven't heard the rest of the song, but I have a feeling I'm going to like it because of, of that intro that's some kind and of the space thing? behind <laughs> far from it, dude. Uh, but I love the space. Like it, there's just so much space when you really, if you're just listening to it in headphones and just hear that that part, there's there's the 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 reverb, the every the the everything that they use to to get that sound, I think is really really great. The space. Well, you got your headphones Explore. on. Yeah, your headphones, dude. Yeah, I my headphones. This is, I think, Tricky's second production Dude, contribution save my life dude not just not just i really like my headphones like they sound good like they save my life your tape lulled me to sleep to sleep yeah to sleep um yeah this one it's a very kind of subdued song i mean there's like you know she, she sings but there's like this thumping beat in the background yeah um you know and it, it seems it, it feels very dreamy. It sounds like, you know, she's kind of like in a, I don't know, almost in a dreamlike state. She's like, I like, I like this resonance. It elevates me. Yeah. I don't recognize that, that is, myself. <clears throat> this is very interesting. Mm-hmm. Like that's, that's not like a dream to me. Like shit. You that's know, the I part that, <clears throat> that I get stuck on that I really like is just where she goes, ah. <laughs> like i just i like it's, that it's, it's so random too kind it of is like, where it, i'm just like oh like it, it is seems like, but it seems offbeat but yeah it's, i know it, but it's it's, it's great i don't yeah. know the sound goes through my muscles these mm. abstract wordless movements yes oh yeah <laughs> the one line that i think is kind of weird is they start off cells that haven't been touched before these are virgins. These cells are virgins. Like that's funny to me. It it it, it it it's the one song in the album that I think is a little kind of far out there. But yeah, but I also know. think it's an interesting way to end it because it, it like it has a lot of the feel. It has like elements of this like techno or dance music, but they're just so subtle and tucked in the back. You know? Yeah. No. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely does. So. Well, I think it's time to scratch. It's time to scratch. I think we should grab a post. If you got a post nearby, let's grab a post. Yeah, fence post. Any other kind of post? Yeah. Uh, I don't know whose turn it is. Is it my turn, your turn, our turn? Whose turn? I feel like you scratched the shins. You're right, I did. So you scratch. So I'm on the T. It's on the T. Um, probably gonna get some flack for this one because it's it's one of the more popular songs on the album. But I mentioned some things that I recognize when listening to it that just you know 
not that it's not a good song, just maybe not one of my favorites, and I'm going to scratch Hyper Ballad Dude. Ooh, man. What the fuck is that? Wow. Really? Okay. Hey, that's fair. That's uh-huh. a fair statement. It is. Well, it's going to have to be. So, yeah, I. Um, Damn, I got a what the fuck is this shit? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, dude, I, I mean, I. I dig the song. I dig Hyper Ballad. I think it's a good song. I, I I think I like it probably mostly, though, because that was one of the first songs I was introduced to with the video and everything. Mm. And so it's just um, and I, I do like how the song opens up and you know, it I starts do off too. really, I, I, really chill. And it's then, a bad song. And dude, it's 8-bit. And yeah, it's kind of cool. So it's just that while the yeah. video is 8-bit, it's just the one I could if I had to. All it's right. the one I could live without. All right. The, the one I'm going to go with is Cover Me. Um, it's, it's a short two minute song. It kind of just doesn't do a whole lot for me. Um, you know, that's, that's, I don't pretty much know it. if for this one, I really want to throw out a, what the, what the fuck is but that? I will say, man, it's it, even if the song was nothing more than the bit on the hammered dulcimer, it's worth it to me. So that's like a it double. Is, what the fuck is this? I mean, it, it is cool because it, I again, it's a very unique song and unique sound. But then again, this whole album is just so I understood, man. Unique hey. there. Um, you You're know, preaching I, the choir, dude. I think my. I, I mean, if we would have split and gone to overtime, I think headphones probably would have would have been another one I would have considered. But yeah, I mean, I really, really dig this album, and I've been just kind of. It's oh, been me re- too. It's been a repeat. It's been a repeat, dude. I, I it was to me, it was between hyper ballad and I miss you. But as I was saying, dude, I miss you has that though that horn part that just stuck in my head so much. I'm like, that has to be there. But there's nothing about Hyper Ballad that like sticks in my head. Even the mountains and cars and dinosaurs. No. Well, uh, maybe the cutlery. The cutlery. Or car parts. But car parts. <laughs> yes. Cutlery. Well, not only are you pissing on Bjork, you're also pissing on Michelle Gondry. So man. Oh, dude. Two strikes. Two. All right. Well not out. Well, everyone, I think that about wraps it up here. What do you say, Trim? Are we done? I would say so. Post it. uh, (laughs) Yeah, this is posted. Um, Yeah. Cheers to Bjork for just making a really freaking amazing album. album. And, And to think about it coming out in 95, because I feel like it would be as relevant today. Absolutely. So. Absolutely. She was ahead of her time. Yep. Speaking of had another time, so are we. So it is time to go. To go. On the Dude and Grim Show. Scratch a track is produced by the Dude and Grim. Additional music provided by Moore and the Tims. Copyright 2021. The Dude and Grim Show.